Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, good morning. Good day yesterday. Chiefs won. My Cowboys played tonight. Not so hopeful. (laughs) I received that. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Welcome to all of you here in South Auditorium with me over in North Auditorium, watching online, watching on television. I'm grateful that you're joining us. By the way, I know these morning services on Sunday can get a little crowded, long lines, parking lot jams. We have a brand new service, the second service now on Saturday at 545, which is not so big. So if you're looking for a little easier uh, merge into New Spring, you might want to think about that. Well, we're in a series right now called Renew, Be New. And I've taught for the last two weeks how the God wants us to live in perpetual newness. The verse that I've shared with you to begin the message is from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Let's read it together. You can read it silently as I read it out loud. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now that took some substantial power. I've done probably 1,100 funerals. I've never seen anybody get up out of the casket and go home with us. So it had to be extraordinary power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. So God wants you to understand the power he's about to talk about is commensurate with the power we just looked at. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we too might habitually, huge word, habitually live and behave in newness of life. So God wants you to be in a constant state of renewal. And I've said that there are three verses we're going to look at every week because they sort of frame the spine of the series. Revelation 21.5, God's business card. I make, God says, all things new. And I've watched that. I've, we were talk, I was talking with some dear friends before the service. In how many years now of pastoring? I guess 46, almost 47 years of pastoring. I've watched God make, new, make marriages new. I've watched him make relationships new. I've watched him make people new. God says, I make all things new. That's just what he does. That's how he rolls. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, second verse. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Not recycled, not refurbished, but new. And then Lamentations 3.23, I sure hold on to this because I screw up every day. His mercies are new every morning. Now, I got to tell you, I can be a little bit contrarian. I can be a little bit iconoclastic. So, and maybe even a little skeptical. So if I'm sitting out there where you're sitting and I'm listening to this series, I'm like, man, there is one thing that Mark is not talking about. He is conveniently avoiding something. And here's what I would be thinking about. I would be saying, Mark, Maybe the mind can be renewed. Maybe the spirit can be renewed. But there's one part of you that can never be renewed, and that's the body. Mark, if you're having a hard time with that, just look in the mirror. I was 28 when I came here. I'm not anymore. And you're right. You're correct. This body that we live in cannot live in perpetual newness, but I think it needs to be pointed out that this was never what God intended. When God made the human body, when he put the first human beings in the Garden of Eden, God intended for that body to last forever. In his instructions to Adam in Genesis 2, God said, you may freely eat of the fruit of the tree and every tree in the garden, except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I got friends who are non-theists, and they would say, oh, Mark, 
What you're saying is God did not want them to have knowledge. (laughs) It's not what he said. He said the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, at that point, God only wanted them to know good. If if God had had his way, there would have never been any hate. There would never have been any racism. There would never have been any violence. There never would have been any abuse. That was what God intended. But God was like, he always gives his created beings a choice. And we feel that and we know that. So when God put that choice out there, he had to give them a slow pitch. He just put that one thing in there to see if they would do the right thing. And God said, you can have fruit from every tree of the garden, just this one you can't have. And you see, the thing about it is, and I got friends too who would say, well, oh, that's kind of ridiculous, an idea of eating a piece of fruit. No, no, no. It was about the test because people still fill that test, 20, fell that test 24 hours a day, 365 days a year because there, there are a lot of things that people don't need and God gives us a choice, but Satan comes along and he says, this won't hurt you and it will make you better. And we watch people get, all, get into all kinds of stuff. They get into affairs. They get into drug usage. It's still the same thing as the Garden of Eden. Same test. So here's what I want you to see. God said to them, if you eat of its fruit, you're sure to die. So it was never God's intention. God intended for these bodies to last forever. And if you think about it, when God allowed death to come into the world, it was the best thing he could allow because the worst thing that could happen to us is to live in, these, in this broken world in these flawed existences and never die. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I, I'd like to be as young as I possibly can, but I really don't want to stay in this body in this world forever. But as we look at the human existence, it's kind of interesting. If you read the, the ages that we see in the book of Genesis, first off, people lived about a thousand years. And then there was more and more sin and more and more degradation. Then it dropped about 180 years. And then finally, 70, 80, 90 years where we are today. You know, science has taught us so much about what God intended. You're in GPS or if you're in biology, what's the first question on the first test? test? First question on the first test. What is the basic unit of life? The cell. Cell is a basic unit of life. You got 100 trillion of them in your body. They all have the ability to replicate themselves other than the, the sexual cells, which God's worked that out where there's kind of a half and half scenario. But you have 100 trillion in your body. Most were meant to replicate themselves. In fact, your cells become new continuously. Some of them do, most of them do. I mean, the cells in your stomach, they renew every two days. Your skin cells every two to three weeks. White blood cells, every one week. Red blood cells, every four months. Bone cells, every 10 years. And I think you're not going to be surprised at all about this one. Fat cells, every 10 years. And you're like, Mark, mine are working on 40 years. Do you know scientists are not really sure why we age? I mean, obviously, they, they, they postulate, they, they have theories about it, but the, the, the best theory about why we age is the, the telomeres, the little strands on the end of the DNA molecule, they shorten over time, and the idea is, well, because they shorten, perhaps that's why we age. But again, it's interesting, with all the science that we have, there's really no compelling understanding of why the human body ages. Well, it's because it wasn't meant to when God made us. But I get it. Hey, I was born at night, but not last night. We do age, and renewing this body is not going to happen. So do everything you can. You know, I mean, if you're if you're in if you're into uh, you know surgery, if you're into all kinds of cosmetics and all that kind of stuff, do everything you can to stay young. But it's a losing proposition because ultimately this body is going to age, and then it's going to it's going to die. 
So do we drop the subject? I mean, why would we take a whole weekend of Renew Binu and talk about the part of us that's not going to be perpetually new? Hey, most churches don't talk about it, but I'm not given that option because my responsibility is not to preach my thoughts. My responsibility is to give you the whole counsel of God from the word of God. And the Bible has an enormous amount to say about your body and my body. Well, let's talk about some of those things. The first thing we need to talk about is we do have a new body waiting for us, those of us who know Jesus Christ. And it appears that God will make it from the materials of this body. Did you know that molecules never disappear? <laughs> when this body dies, they can burn it, they can stick it in the ground, but at the end of the day, the molecules are gonna stay. And from what I can piece together from the word of God, it appears that God is gonna use the molecules from the old body to make the new body. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't want to leave anytime soon, but I'm looking forward to living in a new body. I mean, people are always asking me, Mark, well, I know my loved one's in heaven. Hey, we'll be at least as smart in heaven as we are now. You know the person I'm going to have the hardest time recognizing when I get to heaven? Me. I've never known me without an anxiety disorder. I mean, I freak out over the littlest stuff. I've never known me without this OCD personality that I have. And I sure don't know what I'm going to look like when I'm perpetually new. So the person I'll have the hardest time recognizing is me. But the word of God says it'll be a new existence in Revelation 21.4. The Bible says there will be no more death, sorrow, crying. Listen to this, because some of you live in chronic pain. No more pain. All these things are gone forever. But all that being said, the Bible does have a whole lot to say about this body. And here's the most important line of the entire message. What makes this body important to you is that it serves the part of us that is continually renewing. Can I say that one more time? The reason why your body is important is it, 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 it serves the part of you that I've talked about the last two weeks, which is in continual renewal. And here's the deal. If we don't take care of these bodies that we live in, it may curtail our ability to be functional with the parts of us, the mind, the soul, the spirit that God is continually renewing. Did you know the two most effective preachers of the gospel in the last 500 years, Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, both of them died, one at 57, the other at 62. And both of them were enormously overweight. They didn't take care of their bodies. Spurgeon smoked cigars on top of not eating healthy. And you ask yourself the question, these two guys who shook the world, what if they had taken better care of their bodies? Because clearly God was renewing their minds and spirits, but their bodies weren't taken care of. Do you mind if I tell you a personal story? I mean, hey, I don't look good in this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it might be beneficial to you. As I said a moment ago, my personality is OCD. I mean, whatever I do, I have the accelerator all the way to the floor. Not when I'm driving, in case you're from the Wichita Police Department <laughs> or Butler County Sheriff's Department. Okay. But everything else in life I do, I do all out. Well, when I was about 24 years old, I lost about 80 pounds. And the reason why I gained a lot of weight was I was always drinking sugar soft drinks. And I discovered a diet soft drink. And I'm going to do my best not to name the particular one because I'm on television. But I, you know, I drank a lot. And I'm just kind of telling you this because the make, story makes sense. And when I, I read about people that would drink a lot, people that drank six to eight cans a day. Heck, I could do that before breakfast. 
I mean, I, I just continually drank this diet drink. I mean, I was known for it. If I was going somewhere in the country to speak, when I got to my hotel room, my refrigerator, my hotel room would be filled with this particular diet drink. I remember a missionary saying, hey, you can come to our country and speak because we have this diet drink in our country. Fact, that's a fact. And I mean, I, I, I remember a pastor friend of mine said, I invited you to dinner. And he said, I used to order this diet drink with no ice because it'd be more intense that way. He said, I watched you drink eight, one after the other. That's just what I did. I never drank water. I mean, well over 100 ounces every day. So I knew that was unhealthy. And I did that from the time I was 24 till I was 54. But when I turned 54, something peculiar began to happen. I was just finished a graduation service where I spoke, and at the end, all of a sudden, I started having, well, I lost peripheral vision. And after my vision cleared up, all of a sudden I had this brain issue. It was like a stroke where I could, I would try to think of words and I couldn't say words. I'd try to get them out and then I'd try to say one word and another word would come out. By the time I got home that day, I could not remember my granddaughter's names, but it passed. And then began to happen more and more frequently. And typical guy, I wouldn't go to the doctor and have it checked out. I thought, well, it passed. It must be okay now. But they started happening more and more often. And then it was like they would start happening to me when I was on stage. And I, remember, I never will forget the day. I was right here at the 1115 service, and I started speaking, and all of a sudden, I had the aura in my eyes, and then I started having the brain issue. And I tried to slow down my speaking so I would say every word very clearly. And then I remembered I tried to say the word church, and I couldn't think of the word. And I said to the audience, I'm going to have to leave the stage. They're going to play the nine o'clock service. And by the time I got to my office, we have a number of doctors here at New Spring. My office was filled with doctors. And I never will forget, one of them asked me, he said, Mark, what's your symptoms? And I said, well, I get this visual thing, and then I get this thing that feels kind of like a stroke. And to my amazement, he started laughing. He said, you have silent migraines. You have ocular migraines. They're not dangerous. But the deal was I kept having them. He, and he said, you need to be looking for the trigger. Well, you know, probably could have found that if I had been real careful. And people in those days used to tell me, Mary Alice especially, Mark, you need to quit doing that. And I'm like, and they would say, it's dangerous. And I would say, oh, that's internet science. That's junk science. But I remember uh, about six years ago, right after I turned 60, I had the worst one. And Mary Alice didn't tell me, but she had contacted our doctor, and they had a whole bank of neurologists and neurospecialists lined up. And I never will forget, I was sitting there holding one in my hand one morning. We were getting ready. I was going to speak on the West Coast, and we were getting ready to leave. And I held one in my hand, and I had been reading an article from Johns Hopkins that talked about the chemical content of this particular drink and how it affected some people with migraines. And I looked at that, and I said, this is my last one. You know, I never thought I could give it up. But you see, the problem was it was threatening my ability to communicate God's word, what I am as a person. I mean, God renews. I mean, you guys always ask me, where do you come up with all these sermons? Where do you come up with all these series? There's a part of me that God is continually renewing. But the problem was I wasn't taking care of my body, and it was actually beginning to threaten the part of me that God was continually renewing. And that's what I'm talking about today. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, this is why we never give up. Though our, our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 says, each of us should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Some translations have the word possessed there instead of control. In other words, God is like, you need to know how to, con how to own your body. Hey, I know how to own my car. 
I mean, I'm really careful about how I maintain it. I mean, I only let the best mechanics work on it. I mean, they say, change the oil every 10,000 miles. I change it every 5,000 miles. I know, how to, I know how to manage my car. But God is like, Mark, you have to, you have to possess your body. Last week, I shared with you that no generation in history has had its mind and emotions attacked like this one. The same thing is true with our physical bodies. Our culture attacks us. In fact, the culture, and it's, it's, it's funded by big money, our culture really keeps us fat, sick, and dependent on pills. And I'm not, if, you're on, if you need to be on medication, I'm not recommending against that, but I'm just saying we live in a world where big money interests attack healthy nutrition. We live in a world of fast food, insanely high-calorie restaurant meals, processed, processed foods where chemicals have been added that our bodies don't recognize, we live in a world with foods that are filled with fat, cholesterol, sodium, sugar, and unhealthy carbohydrates, not to mention extreme caffeinated canned energy drinks. I mean, I usually go looking for just plain soda water now, when I, just seltzer. When I go in, I went into a convenience store the other day. They didn't have any, but they had two cabinets of these high ca caffeinated energy drinks. So -called. And see, the reason we don't have energy is because we're eating all the junk. I was reading an article yesterday before I came on stage, 15 problems associated with highly caffeinated energy drinks. Number one was cardiac arrest. I thought, my goodness. But see, we're targeted. I mean, there are people that make money out of that. And, and it's devastating our country in ways that we can't dream. I mean, it's affecting us financially as a nation. I just saw, and this is not a political comment, we're getting pretty close to borrowing everything we can borrow. And so much of it has to do with health costs. Reed Tuxen of United Health Foundation said, there is a tsunami of chronic preventable disease about to be unleashed into our medical care system, which is increasingly unaffordable. So true. But the worst part is, and this is something I've watched as a pastor, and I, you know, because there, there are people like Mark, I don't think we should talk about this in church. Strange, you know, I've watched this. I can talk about even giving. I can talk about sex. I can talk about all kinds of issues. But it gets really quiet when we talk about this. The worst part of all of this is we've medically figured out how to sustain life for a long period of time in an unhealthy condition. I watch every day of my life people get trapped in a body. And again, as I said, I know what some are thinking. This is not something we should talk about in church because church is about spiritual things. That idea comes from paganism. It just, I mean, it comes, I mean this, it comes from paganism. If anyone's sitting out there saying, I don't think we should talk about this in church, you need to understand this comes from the darkest part of paganism. The Greek cultic system gave rise to a belief system called Gnosticism. We still have it among us today in different brands. The idea of Gnosticism was that the body was material, therefore evil. And there were two subsets of Gnosticism. One, were, one, was, one was the group that said, your body's going to go back to the ground. You can do anything you want to do in your body. You can you know, have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. You can be a glutton. You can be anything you want to be. It doesn't matter because the part of you that matters is the spiritual side. And then there were the Spartans who said, no, 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 no. You have to beat the body into, into subjection. But none of that comes from the Bible. It's still among us today, but it comes from paganism. 
The simple reality is there's so many verses in the Bible about taking care of this body, I can't even begin to give them to you. But in the last part of this message that I'm going to do by myself, I want you to see four verses in the Bible that sort of frame our understanding of taking care of this body. I'm going to read the verse, then we'll make the point. The first verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, where the Bible says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. So I'm going pinch to my, pinch my hand. That's my body. You have one too. The Bible says if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that makes this conversation spiritual. Can I say that one more time? This conversation has now become spiritual. What God is saying is, Mark, I don't want you to put ding-dongs in my temple. Number two, if my body is the temple of Holy Spirit, who does it belong to? Well, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, the Bible says you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price. Second idea here is my body does not belong to me. I hear people say that. I guess if they don't know God, it doesn't. I mean, I, mean, I guess whatever, but when, when Jesus Christ made me his own, he didn't just get my soul and spirit. My body belongs to him too. And this goes back to the point that I raised a few moments ago. I want you to hear 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals. Others used to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container. This is God talking about your body. And this goes back to what I was telling you about you know, abusing those soft drinks. Become the kind of container that God can use. Another translation says, a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And there's one more. Let me give you this verse, and I'm going to introduce my guests. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, this is from the message. Honor your creator while you're still young. Now just put that in quotation marks for a moment, young. Um, in old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grips weaken, joints stiffen, the shades. Talking about the eyes are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning a fragile, impotent matchstick body. Yes, you're well on your way to your eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's the fourth point I want to make tonight or this morning. The biblical definition of old, as we just saw, is more a condition than a number. We live in a world today, as I said, all of us are targeted by the culture that wants to make us fat, sick, not in good health. I know people today who are 30 years old and they're old. And you know what? I know people who are 80 and 90 years old who are still young because those conditions haven't happened yet. I never forget the first time I went out to Palm, Palm Springs. I mean, I, I, I was out there and there were elderly people. That, I, remember, I remember when Ralston went, went to get some yogurt and there, was, there were like a couple of ladies that clearly they were around 80 years of old, but they were in great shape. They're in tennis outfits, you know, and you could just tell they were sweating. They just had their workout. And I said to Mary Alice, that's what I wanna be. So today, you know, I reached the place where I, I reached the edge of what I know. I would like to introduce a couple of my close friends 
who are going to come on stage and help me with the rest of this message. So would you welcome my friends, Robert Green and Marquise Bradley. While they're coming on stage, let me kind of tell you how I got connected. Um, Last spring, I was looking at myself. I don't usually watch the sermons, but I was watching myself on, um, on a sermon. And, and I gained so much weight last year, and I, just, I was so embarrassed. And then when I got on the scales, you know, remember when those scales were used to like get like a little fortune or something there? And the old joke is the guy get on the scales, and then the, the, the paper says one at a time. So <laughs> I was kind of like that. And, and so... I, um, Robert is my trainer. He's been training physical, I mean, Robert trains pro athletes. Robert's been training for 45 years. And this is Marquise, uh, Bradley Marquise is my coach. He is the founder and CEO of Omnicut, where I work out, which is just right across the street from the church. But the reason why I want them to be on stage with me is not only are they at the top of their game in what they do, but they are both men of God. Um, Robert and his wife, Catherine, are New Springers, and Marquise is a longtime member of Baptist uh, Tabernacle, Bible Tabernacle, uh, where my good friend Lincoln Montgomery, Lincoln and I both came to Wichita the same year. Lincoln went to be with the Lord this last year. But I know both of these men are men of God, and they're also brilliant, and they have helped me, and I have lost 24 pounds. And... uh, But I got a long way to go because it's not just about losing weight. I mean, I remember telling, Marquise was asking me about goals. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And he said, what are your goals? And I said, well, you know, I'd like to maybe the next five years, maybe even seven if God let it. And Marquise said, Mark, we're going to stop talking about that. We're going to talk about, we're talking about when you're 90. So, uh, but before we get into things, I'd like to just get your take on where we've been in this particular talk and what your thoughts are. Robert, any thoughts? Well, I think as a, uh, as a nation and a as a people in a, in a community and a church, we need to do a better job at taking care of ourselves, you know? Because, you know, you wear your body everywhere you go, and your body is your greatest asset, okay? So we need to invest in that asset, make things better. So we need to become, learn how to be more healthier. So I'm gonna give you four things that we need to do to help you on your way, okay? Uh, number one, never stop learning, okay, how to be healthy, uh, learning how to in, in improve your spirit, learning more about God, okay? Never stop caring how you look and feel, okay? Uh, always exercise. <clears throat> and the fourth one, you guys can do it today. I mean, you can start today on it, okay? And what I want you to do, I want you to drink more water, okay? Drink more water. 80% of the people in this nation are dehydrated, okay? That can do a lot for you. You know, a lot of it, water lubricates your joints and stuff. It just helps you. So the first thing we need to do, we need to increase our water intake, okay? Uh, especially the, the parents. I want, you incorp- I want you to encourage your children to drink more water. And, you know, that'd be a, it, it's just a helpful thing that you should do. So, Marquise? Um, the biggest thing I noticed was what a lot of people I work with is you get a choice. And that <clears throat> choice is to choose how old you are. Yes, we all know the number says one thing, right? It doesn't matter. It's all about how you feel. So you get to decide every single day how you choose to feel. Do you wake up and you feel like I'm old? How many of us have that day? You wake up like, oh man, I'm old, I'm achy, I'm tired. And then once you say that, you receive that in your spirit and that's exactly how you will feel and that's how your day will go. But if you wake up with the mentality and the mindset that man, I feel young and I look good and I'm strong, then you will be strong 
You will look young and you will feel good. So I challenge you, and I think that's what the message for me that I received was, it's all about how I decide I want to feel yeah. and the actions I take in order to feel that way. That's right. Well, take a moment and talk about goals because you know when, when you and I started working together, that was one of the things that you really emphasized with me. You wanted, well, would you just take that and run with that? Um, absolutely. Um, I believe goals are important to set. And when you set your goals, you got to make sure it's something that you can accomplish. Um, we start off small and make them smart. Right, so I tell people this often, I get in trouble sometimes, but it's, if you start off with the first goal of your day, is just to wake up and brush your teeth, guess what? You accomplish your first goal. And that right there gives you the courage to set another goal and then accomplish the next goal. So I do a simple system called the plan system, which stands for purpose, leadership, accountability, and necessity, or better yet, the now. So first, what's your purpose of your goal? What do you want to accomplish on this goal? Two, the leadership. What is leading you to get there? Or what's going to lead you to get there? So for me, I like to say, I like to visualize things, right? I like to sit back, think, and I want to see exactly where God is leading me and where he's taking me. To be honest, I remember sitting out there one day saying, I can't wait to one day be on this stage. And then I look up and I'm like, I'm on this stage. So, so... I can't take credit. I got to say that was God leading me, but then holding me accountable, right? So I had to have somebody hold me accountable and make sure I walked through this, uh, to, uh, not by myself, but with someone else. And I got to give a lot of credit to my wife because she was that person that kept telling me that I couldn't do it. I know it throws you off, right? But no, it's, I live by the scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. So the more they tell me I can't, the more I would continue to strive and go for it. And that is how I was able to accomplish it. And so my wife knew that. She said, okay, I'm going to say you can't do it. And then guess what? He's going to do it. And then the final one is just the now. You have to take action and you have to move. That's right. You can't sit and do nothing. At some point, you got to get up, get active, and get going. And that's very important when you're setting goals. Well, let me keep rolling with what you talked about because accountability, it was a big thing that you worked on with me. See, here's the thing. Most of us thinking, oh, I do pretty well. You know, and that's where I was, but I did pretty well, and I was also gaining a ton of weight. I couldn't believe the number. I haven't, anyway. So when we, <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Uh, um, when you and I started working together, you, you taught me the importance of accountability. And here's what Marquise did, okay? He said, Pastor, I want you to send me a picture of everything you eat. Take your cell phone out, shoot a picture of it, and send it to me. And I never will forget, I went home and I told Mary Alice, she said, I don't know Marquise yet, but he's already one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> so here I am, you know, I'm, I, a lot of times I'm speaking at some high level conference or something in the church always wants, to, you know, the leadership always wants to take me out for this high end meal. And here I am with a salad and I'm taking a picture of my salad. And they're like, what are you doing? It's not that great. And I said, I'm sorry, I got to take a picture of everything I eat and send it to Marquise. Um, and I really do believe that's one of the things that's really help me because, you know, it's so easy for us to say, oh, the box says it's low fat. Well, it can't hurt me. Well, it's got 1,200 calories in it or 1,500 million calories. So talk about that accountability thing because I know that's in your coaching and you, you coach a lot of really top athletes. Um, what about the accountability thing? Um, Mark is one of my top athletes, just so you guys know. <laughs> uh, so when it comes down to accountability, I like to, like I said, I like to make it simple the same way with the goals. So I say, hey, I don't give you any guidance when it comes down to eating because I'm not a dietitian, so I can't do that. But the thing I found out is we all know what's right and what's wrong. Right. So a simple picture just basically 
puts it in reality. So, right, you can go back and see exactly what you're eating. So a good example is when I first tell someone to do this, they send me a picture of some broccoli, carrot, celery, and that's all they're eating. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. That's not what the scale says. But it's okay, right? It's okay. It's like, just be honest. And I tell them often, just be honest with me. And so the next day they get a little more comfortable and I get a pizza pizza and a cheeseburger and then I see the truth and then I ask them, okay, what do you think about this? And they say, it's not good. Okay, well, let's just be a little bit better. And then the next day, they send me grilled chicken. They send me uh, sweet potatoes. Now they start to understand, see, we all know what to do, but we have no one holding us accountable to do those things. So just by sending me a simple picture, people change. And when I say people change, I'm talking about I've had people lose 100 pounds in six months. I've had people lose 50 pounds in, in five months. I mean, it's truly amazing just what we know, but yet we choose not to do because we have no one holding us accountable. Yeah. And everybody needs that person, right? To hold Absolutely. Them. In between the services last night, Marquise and Robert in my office, and I had some peanuts that I keep there, and I said, here they are. Do you need me to send a picture to you? <laughs> Um, and by the way, he also makes me send a picture of the scales when I weigh too. So, that. Robert, we, we, people are so good at excuses, and Lord knows I am too. And I, talk about that for just a moment, because I know you, you train not only everyday people, you train professional athletes. Yeah, and I hear a lot of excuses, but excuses will never get you to where you need to be. So, um, when I train people, I just tell them, I say, hey, leave your excuses out the door, because I'm going to take care of everything else. So, when, and then when they come and they train with me, I show them that they can do it, okay? I show them that they have the ability to make the change, you know? And, and one thing that people, we really need to look at, we need to read our food, our ingredients, and see what's in our food, because that's very important, because, I mean, you pick up something you think is healthy, and it's not healthy. There's a lot of uh, information out there, and it's not all good information, so. So a coach, a, a trainer, or somebody who's into fitness, you know, their job and they have a talent to study this stuff, to let you know, and to lead you in the right direction and stuff. And it's easy to do. Um, when I was 18 years old, I was uh, diagnosed with high blood pressure. But I didn't claim it, you know. God gives you dominion over those things. He gives you the power to change, you know. So I used that, I used that dominion to change and the wisdom to go about how to change, okay? And then I use the motivation to step on the gas to take me to that direction I need to go. Can I get amen? Yes, amen. <laughs> so, so we all have the dominion to change our lives in whatever shape, form, or fashion that we want to do, okay? And health is one of them, okay? Now, I'm 60 years old, okay? And, you know, I feel, you know, I feel good every day. There's Rarely a day I don't feel good, but I invest in that because I, I, don't want, I don't claim no sickness and no illness, okay? I want to feel healthy and strong as long as possible as I can. And that's what I do for my clients. You know, I tell them, I said, hey, you can feel, I want you to feel just like I feel, okay? There's no need for us to be around here being sick and injured because I don't claim it. When you come to me, that's one thing about me. I'm a very positive person. I don't claim no sickness and no illness. I have a talent to get people in shape and to heal them, to make them feel better. And then, and then we always talk about God on the other side of that, too. You know that. So, but it's just something that people think that, oh, I'm stuck with this illness. No, you're not. You, know, you can change it, man. You, know, you just don't, don't claim it. You know, claim, use that dominion, that power that God has given you to change your life, to do anything. And also, this is a beautiful view. I mean, there's a great <laughs> presence in this room. I, it's wonderful to see this, this, this view up here. It's beautiful. <laughs> 
Robert said last night, he normally sees it from out there. I know where, I know where Robert and Catherine sit. And uh, he said it's been great to see it from up here. Yes, man, it's, it's wonderful. Man. Well, I, you Rob, should see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Robert, you know, in our workouts, we continually talk about the Lord. I mean, I, I, I usually work out with you on Mondays, and, you know, we talk about the sermon and everything. Robert, clearly, I know you see this as a spiritual thing. This, in other words, keeping our body, you see as a, as, as a service to God. Uh, can you talk about that just a little bit, just how your faith? I mean, I know you and I have talked about this so many times. I know the way you grew up in Philadelphia, it was a challenging thing, but your mom was just a huge godly influence in your yes. life. And just share anything that's on your heart there. Uh, my mom was a matriarch. She was the... Uh she had great resolve. She had great strength, man. Great resilience, man. She taught me uh, a couple things. She taught me. Uh, she taught me love. She taught me good judgment. She taught me wisdom. She taught me faith. But the the best thing she ever taught me. She taught me how to fear God, and she put that in me. And that just she just gave me. And she taught me discipline too, because there's value in discipline. Okay, you got to work hard to get somewhere. Okay, and when you get to that place that you got to from working hard, you will value that. And so that's what she told me. Is I'm so thankful for her because, you know, if she was alive right now, she'd be happy because she'd see me sit up here, you know, talking to you guys because I never thought I would. She's watching you. Yes. yes. Mary Alice always says they get to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very happy about that. She was a God-fearing woman. And, and, and to put it, you know, the bottom line is I don't know how she did it. I really don't. So, you know, with the, what we went through growing up, you know, south, in the south side of Philly, I, I don't know how she did it, but she did it, and she did it with the help of God. So it was a, uh, she was a great role model, and it, was, it strengthened me. It strengthened my resolve to let you know that, as Marquise was saying, you can do anything you put your mind to. You have, dom you have dominion over those things that are ailing you, are keeping you behind. You just got to, you know, ask God for help. Marquise, I know how big God is in your life. One of the things I love about working at Omnicut, you've got scripture all over the place, you know, and I love that when I come in. In fact, as soon as I walk in the front door, there's a scripture of the day that you've got there. Can you just talk about how you see what Robert just talked about, how that God is involved in the way we take care of these bodies? Um, I'm a storyteller. And so I like to, I got to tell a story. And um, I also got to take advantage of this moment and stand up because uh, that's just who I am, you know. Um, so the story I'm going to share is with one of my first clients, um, some of the first people I started training. And um, it's unique because I'll never forget this guy walks in the door, and he was about 400-plus pounds, and he can only walk about five steps. And I promise you I might get a little emotional, but it's because it's, I'm so connected to the story. But he walked about five steps. And then he'd get up, he'd walk about five more steps, and then he'd need a chair. And I never forget leaving the front desk of where I was at and providing that chair for him. And we began to talk about his journey and his fitness and what he wanted to accomplish and what he wanted to do. And so every single day he would show up to the gym and we would go through the same thing every day. And it was just walking a couple of steps at a time, a couple of steps at a time. And I was so excited because I felt like we were really making progress. But I didn't understand what God was using, how he was using me to make a difference in somebody else's life. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. Because six months down the road, this same guy that walked into me with his head down, discouraged, we were in the room at the YMCA, and i never forget it. I said, hey, we're just going to walk down and back, but this time we're not taking any breaks. So he began to walk down 
and back. And I'm excited. And I'm like, yes, come on. That's what I'm talking about. And then at one point he stops and he says, I got to show you something. And I'm like, okay. And he says, watch this. <laughs> nah, you don't understand. He didn't walk. He started running. And he got done running, and he looks over to me, and he says, you know that energy that you walk with and you talk with every single day? And you know that spirit that you give me every day? I know where it came from. I said, what? He said, I know where it came from. I said, no, you don't. He says, no, I do. I said, where? He said, Jesus. Amen. And when he said, Jesus, do you want to know what I did? I did exactly like this. I heard this song in my head. And, and the song goes a little bit like this. And I just started running back and forth because the only thing I could think of was running to Jesus when he called my name. But I knew I wouldn't be running alone. I knew that there was going to be somebody with me running alongside me. And see, today is your day to make that same kind of change. See, Jesus might need you to run to him. And I want to make sure that you're physically able to run to him. Amen. And guess what? And if you're not physically able... There is somebody next to you that might be strong enough to carry you and that will run with you because you are not alone in this journey. I can't take up too much time. That's all I got. That's all. That's it. That's it. Well, I, I hate to close out the service, but we got another one coming in a few minutes, and, and we can't have all of y'all on the campus at one time, but I, I just want to go to where Marquise was just taking us, because here's the, the worst thing that I can think about to ha have happen is for you to take care of this body and not have Jesus in your life, because even if you could live to be 110 years old and even be in relatively good condition, to die and to miss heaven would be the ultimate tragedy. And as you talked about sharing Jesus with that man, I want to share Jesus with you. The Bible tells us that God wants to have an everlasting relationship with you. He doesn't just want to be around you today. He wants to be around with you for a trillion years and then more. But the Bible tells us there's something that we have in us that keeps us from God and it's called sin. And here's the percentage of us who have sin in our lives. 100, <laughs> starting with me. The only way to get into heaven on your own is to be perfect, and I can't be perfect for 30 minutes. But God knew that, and he loved me, and he loved you. And he allowed his son, Jesus, to come in the world, God in skin, and he ran the table for 33 years and never did anything wrong. And then he laid that perfect life on a Roman cross. And the way God looked at it, the blood that came out of his body was a currency that paid for everything we've ever done wrong. So that any of us, no matter how bruised, broken, flawed, no matter what we've done on our worst day, we can by faith invite Jesus Christ in to be our Savior. Amen. And He changes everything. He, you don't, you, the problem with religion is religion says jump through hoops and maybe the deity, whatever it is, will accept you. 
This is not a book of religion. It's about a relationship. And it says that God will forgive you and make you his daughter. He'll make you his son. And that relationship lasts forever. How do you get that gift? Well, you don't get it by joining a church. You don't get it by giving money. You don't get it by community service. Those things are okay in their place. You get it by simply asking. That's how you receive a gift. You just reach out and take it. The Bible says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's why at the end of the services here at New Spring, I pray a prayer. This is not magic. It's not magic words. It's just prayer that asks for the gift. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'm going to pray a prayer that is a prayer of faith. And if you want to, you can join me in it. You don't have to pray it out loud. God hears your heart. And I'm going to put a little break in between each line so you can decide if you want to say these things to God. And you can do this if you're watching online or on television. You can do it with me. So would you just bow your head, please? All of us as we pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I do believe he arose from the grave. There's much I don't understand, but I take you at your word. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just stay for one more moment. If you just prayed with me, whether you're online or on television, I have a gift for you. And if you're watching online, all you have to do is text the word prayed to 97,000 and then follow the steps. But if you're here on campus, you can get this right now. Just text pray to 97,000. There's a new spring Bible in here. There's a book I wrote called My New Walk with God. There's some cool things. So we just want to give that to you. One more time, would you make welcome and show gratitude to my dear friends, Robert Green, Marquise Bradley. May God bless you. We'll see you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.